Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we want to thank you for joining us, spending part of your evening with us tonight. Of course, we have our co-host with us tonight also, Earl Erskine. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being <laughs> here again. And I think before we get started, um, you have an announcement, don't you? I do, that's right. Like uh, during the week, someone mentioned to me that there's a reasonable questions conference between Mormons and Christians that's happening down in St. George. It's at, at Dixie State University at the Dunford Auditorium, 6 o'clock. That would be this Sunday, and I think the next Sunday, and the admission's free. And they're just dialoguing and discussing some of the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. So down in the St. George area. Yeah, that sounds interesting, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Sounds good. It's, a, it's always good to learn. It's always good to go and learn and understand more deeply why you believe what you believe. And in fact, before we get started on our topic, our show's topic tonight, uh, we'd like to ask our viewers kind of a rhetorical question, something at least to think about. Uh, we wonder why do Mormon fundamentalists make justification for their illegal behavior by reminding us that polygamy is legal in so many countries throughout the world and so it should also be legal in America. You know, we need to put their remarks in proper perspective and perhaps they should think this more deeply as well. Do these polygamists really want a culture that is the epitome of patriarchal tyranny, a culture where death and destruction are its emblems, and a culture that's empowered by patriarchal religious extremism. Mormonism itself actually began and grew up on the foundation of polygamy and the subjugation of women at the threat of their destruction. We need to eradicate that kind of culture. We don't need to incubate it and legalize it. In fact, it's precisely that kind of culture that killed Kayla Mueller just this past week. We were glad to read in a February 10th newspaper article that the Supreme Court of India has banned polygamy, arguing that it is not a fundamental right. The judges said that Article 25 of the Indian Constitution guarantees freedom of conscience and free profession and practice of religion, but does not also guarantee the practice of polygamy. That's basically the decision of the United States Supreme Court in the 1878 United States versus Reynolds when they ruled that freedom of religion does not include freedom to behave illegally in religion. The court in India also upheld the decision of the government to fire an employee after he had tried to marry a second woman while his first marriage was still in place. These countries are actually becoming more civilized regarding issues of gender equality and brutality against women while we just kind of sit here watching ourselves drown in political correctness. That's sad. Yeah, it is. It's sad to see that happen. More on TV and the different mm -hmm. polygamous programs that are on 
television. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, trying to make it look so much uh, more of a fairy tale yeah. than than it is in reality. Yeah. On March fifteenth of eighteen forty-four, Joseph Smith's brother Hiram Smith denied there was any such doctrine as plural marriage. Now this is eighteen forty-four. The Times and Seasons. Uh, magazine printed one of his denials and we quote that. Some of your elders say that a man having a certain priesthood may have as many wives as he pleases and that doctrine is taught here. I say there is no such doctrine taught here. So he denied the doctrine. 1844. <laughs> a couple of months before they were killed. However, yeah. at the time of this denial, Joseph Smith had married at least 33 plural wives, and Hiram himself had was the husband of five wives. And two months later, after he made that remark, Joseph Smith continued his denial of polygamy as he had been doing for the past dozen years. And we quote one of those denials. Yeah, this is from the history of the church. It says, I had not been married scarcely five minutes before it was reported that I had seven wives, this spiritual wifeism. Why a man dares not speak or wink for fear of being accused of this. What a thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when I can only find one. Now, I want you all to notice in this quote by Joseph Smith that he himself equated polygamy with adultery. Now, this is Joseph Smith. This is the revered founder and leader of the Mormon religion. The man who claimed he saw and talked with God called, called polygamy adultery and lied that he was living polygamy. Yeah. The Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants were both authored by Joseph Smith and both books condemn liars. The first one here from Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 63. Wherefore I, the Lord, have said that the fearful and the unbelieving and all liars and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie shall have their part in that lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And from Second Nephi 9, it says, we unto, Woe unto the liar, for he shall be thrust down to hell. So we can see that the Mormon <laughs> books teach hell and fire and brimstone in the liars. lake of fire, and yeah. yet they get angry at Christians because that's because we <laughs> teach that. But of course, the Bible also forbids bearing false witness. Yet beginning with Joseph Smith and carried on by his brother Hiram and all the other Mormon leaderships, lying was an integral part of being a faithful Mormon. And carrying on the tradition, all the polygamy groups continue to lie about their activities, and they teach their children how to lie, why to lie, and to whom they should tell their lies. Tonight's show, we will be discussing the ever-prevalent Mormon practice of lying for the Lord. This practice takes place in both the Mormon church from its very inception until the present time, as well as all the Mormon polygamy groups to this day. Sidney Rigdon, in The Messenger and Advocate of June 18, 1845, reported that Parley P. Pratt advised church leaders to sustain Joseph Smith by lying for him. And we quote, From The Messenger and Advocate, we must lie to protect Brother Joseph. It is our duty to do so. So, <laughs> it was considered a duty. Yeah of a faithful Mormon to lie to protect their leaders and their religion. Uh, an author by the name of B. Carmen Hardy is the author of a book entitled Solemn Covenant, this book here, 
um, the Mormon polygamous passage. And Appendix 1 of this book is entitled uh, Lying for the Lord, an Essay. In this book, it's an awesome book. It's a great book for any of you who, who like to read up on the history, Mormon history of polygamy. And in this appendix, it's entitled Lying for the Lord. It's an excellent essay on the early Mormon practice of lying for the Lord, especially as it re, um, is applied to polygamy. Not all, but much of our show tonight will be quoting from this essay. In fact, this is part one. Next week, we'll finish the part two of our show, Lying for the Lord. Now, Heber C. Kimball said in the Journal of Discourses, November 25th of 1860, and we quote about this topic. Hi, Heber C. Kimball. I want you to know that we are a people who are very much inclined to believe lies. I had to read that twice, <laughs> or more than twice, and to encourage that which is not right. If you know a man who is guilty of a crime, is it best for you to reveal it? I will tell you what I would do if I knew of, a man, of men in this church who were guilty of crimes that were not unto death, I would never reveal that knowledge. So Heber C. Kimball was a church leader, <laughs> an, an apostle, apostle yeah. a teacher, a polygamist, and he advocated hiding the truth of criminal actions and the people who committed them. Can we imagine Jesus Christ no. teaching this kind of deceit while he was here? No. No way. Well. We want to quote now from an editorial in the Deseret News, March 19, 1910. It says, not only had Latter-day Saints always been truthful, but that they of all people were most obliged to be so. They cannot say one thing and do another. Well, now, isn't there a huge red flag contradiction here between, like it. <laughs> between what they're saying and what they're doing? Yeah. Heber C. Kimball preached from the Mormon pulpit that he would lie to protect criminals, but the Deseret News said the LDS people were obliged to be truthful. So which is it? You know, we have to crawl out of one way of thinking and into another to work through that contradiction. Have the Mormon people always been truthful as this article claimed? Well, it would be a lie to say they have been truthful. They have always been deceitful, in fact, about their polygamy and other things as well. They shift between standards of opposing values. They have kept secret and, and kept hidden their rituals and ceremonies, even protected them by blood oaths, something God would never require. Those who participated in their secret ceremonies were warned never to reveal their content. The Council of Fifty meetings were conducted in strict privacy. Priesthood men were chastised for publicly discussing what occurred in Mormon priesthood meetings, and they were warned to keep them secret even from their wives. We want to quote from page 364 of this article in Solemn Covenant. He says, Deliberations and accounts by the church's highest leaders remain unavailable to the public to the present day. Look at that. Yeah. Unavailable information. So many secrets. Now, Jesus was open and honest, and we would think that his true church, his only true church, would also be open and honest. So. This is true also of the leaders of the Mormon polygamy groups. They have always held secrets and believed and taught that they were above the law, just like Brigham Young taught. Yeah. And he said so. In the Journal of Discourses, <laughs> Volume 1, I live above the law, and so do this people. So there, that, that's just kind of how they, their, their mentality, their mentality yeah. is. They yeah. live a, they, they're not held accountable. 
and that's sad. Brigham Young, uh, by the way, the polygamists also believe and teach that they do, they are above the laws of the land. Brigham Young also said, and we want to quote from Journal of Discourses, Volume 1. And same page, actually. What do you think of a woman having more husbands than one? There are certain governments in the world that give women license to carry on this abominable practice under the cover of night. You are forbidden to infringe upon the rights, property, wife, or anything in the possession of your neighbor. I defy all the world to prove that we have infringed upon that law. Well, he shouldn't have defied that. <laughs> he shouldn't have, have issued that challenge. Now, those statements by Brigham Young challenged the world to prove that they had taken their neighbor's wives or that their women had more than one husband. Now, this is shocking when we discover that both Brigham Young and Joseph Smith were guilty of doing precisely that. Polyandry. Yeah, both of them married women who already had living husbands. They both took their neighbor's wives and they caused those woman, women also to have more than one husband. And Brigham Young, while he was lying for the Lord, denied they did those things. Now we want to quote from Anne Eliza Young. She had been one of Brigham Young's polygamous wives. She got a divorce and she charged that Joseph Smith was guilty of adultery. Yeah, this is from her book, Wife Number 19. Joseph not only paid his addresses to the young and unmarried women, but he sought spiritual alliance with many married ladies. He taught them that all former marriages were null and void, and that they were at perfect liberty to make another choice of a husband. The marriage covenants were not binding because they were ratified only by Gentile laws. Consequently, all the women were free. One woman said to me not very long since, while giving me some of her experiences in polygamy, the greatest trial I ever endured in my life was living with my husband and deceiving him by receiving Joseph's attentions whenever he chose to come to me. Oh boy. Yeah. They were seduced under the guise of religion. Some of these women have since said that they did not know who was the father of their children. This is not to be wondered at, for after Joseph's declaration annulling all Gentile marriages, the greatest promiscuity was practiced, and indeed, all sense of morality seemed to have been lost by a portion, at least, of the church. Now, she was there. She saw these things happen. Eyewitness. She was Brigham Young's wife, yeah. an eyewitness. Yeah. She knows what happened, and she wrote about it and talked about it. And we've often talked on this show how Joseph Smith and other church leaders withheld information and flat out denied polygamy. They withheld this information from the world outside of their church and also from their own church membership. In fact, Joseph Smith and Hiram were killed and went to their graves lying about their personal involvement in polygamy. We read from Solemn Covenant again on page 366. Justice Morse told how, as a Danite in Missouri in 1838, he and others were directed to assist each other when in difficulty by lying, and to do it with such positiveness and assurance that no one would question our testimony. And so they so were the directed, stronger. yeah, they were directed, they were taught to lie. And, yeah. you know, lying about their activities and about their doctrines was part and parcel of being uh, part of the early Mormon culture. Amazing. Joseph Smith claimed he received revelation from God, direct from heaven yeah. and from angels. 
But when comparing the information that he claimed God gave him, we know that it's not true simply because it contradicts previous revelation from God, and God does not contradict himself, nor does he change his mind or his character. He cannot lie or condone telling lies for any reason. We quote again on page 366. From Solomon Covenant, it says, Brigham Young remembered that as early as in, the, as in Kirtland, the prophet told him that if he was open about what he had received from heaven, not a man or woman would stay with me. And Levi Hancock recalled that Joseph once remarked to him that if he were to reveal all God had shown him, his own followers would seek his life. The sense of peril, if all were made public, extended to concern for the entire Mormon community. What would it have done for us, asked Orson Hyde later, if they had known that many of us had more than one wife when we lived in Illinois? They would have broken us up, doubtless, worse than they did. So they're acknowledging that the, a lot of their problems came from polygamy yeah. and how they secretly denied it and lied about it. About Obviously, it. Orson Hyde and others were well aware that it was their own doctrine of polygamy that caused fear and aggression against the early Mormon polygamists. There was genuine fear among local citizens almost everywhere they went that these polygamous men would come and take their daughters and coerce them into polygamy, and their fears were justified because that's exactly what some of the Mormon polygamists did. In Brigham Young's quote, he said Joseph Smith told him that if he was open about what he would, had received from heaven, not a man or woman would stay with him. Really? Is God? I mean, who is his God? We need to remember that early on, Joseph Smith himself had said that some of his revelations were from the devil, and sometimes he couldn't tell the difference. We need to keep that in mind when we read these kinds of quotes. And Jesus taught that it is the devil who is the spiritual father of all liars. The Mormons' early practice of polygamy is one great example of blatant dishonesty between leaders and the general membership of the Mormon church, and it continues to even to this day. Now, there is a great website, which I also use to get some of our quotes, and we're going to place it on the screen. It's a very great place for you to go. <coughs> it's 20truth.info slash mormon slash lying. You can go on there, and for the courageous uh, seeker, we suggest that you read the entire website. It has all the footnotes, all the sources, and all the references. All the references. Okay. And uh, so you can know that they're, that they're not making all this stuff up. It's all from Mormon history, yeah. historical books. It's amazing. Uh, it is. It's absolutely. But we're quoting from the page of that website entitled, Lying for the Lord. It says there, Joseph went to great lengths to conceal his practice of plural marriage. H. Michael Marquardt discovered that, even, <laughs> that he even had a pretended marriage performed to cover up his own marriage to Sarah Ann Whitney. On July 27, 1842, Joseph gave a revelation to Newell K. Whitney that he was to seal his daughter, Sarah Ann, to Joseph Smith to be his wife. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, thus saith his Lord. Joseph Smith actually performed a pretended <clears throat> marriage ceremony between Sarah Ann Whitney and Joseph C. Kingsbury so that Joseph Smith's own polygamist relationship with Sarah would not be known. Now, Sarah was 17 years old and <laughs> Joseph Smith was 36 years old, more than double her age 
when this pretended marriage was arranged. We want to quote from a document entitled The History of Joseph C. Kingsbury that is now in the Western Americana section of the University of Utah Library. And this is written as it is. There's a misspell here, but that's part of the quote. On the 29th of April, 1843, I, according to President Joseph Smith, the council and others, agreed to stand by Sarah Ann Whitney as supposed to be her husband and had a pretended marriage for the purpose of bringing about the purposes of God. So they pretend to have a marriage. Again, this is deceit. This is lying. This is, this is fabrication. And these purposes of God that is mentioned in that quote is the plurality is wives, as instructed in Doctrine and Covenants section 132, and, and in that uh, section 132 where it says, live polygamy or be damned. Now, 17-year-old Sarah Whitney was Joseph Smith's 15th wow. wife. Amazing. So he was living polygamy. He didn't have to do that to live it. He already was. He had more than enough wives. Now, Joseph Smith would also even go so far as to fake an excommunication to make <laughs> it appear to church members that he really did not believe in polygamy. This was quite amusing from the Clayton's di William Clayton's <coughs> diary. It says, Thursday 19, President Joseph began to tell me that I should keep M, which was Clayton's plural wife, Margaret, at home. Says he just kept her at home, and if they raise trouble about it and bring you before me, I will give you an awful scourging and probably cut you off from the church, and then I will baptize you and set you ahead as good as ever. So there they are, <laughs> just just discussing their deceit behind closed doors. In other words, if you if you get in trouble for living polygamy, I'll excommunicate you and then restore you back to the church, and everything's going to be okay. Good as new. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's not about truth. It's all about image, and that's true today. Even after they moved west, the Mormons continued to keep some of their beliefs top secret. In fact, in 1850, John Taylor published a tract in France, and we're going to read in part what he said. We are accused here of polygamy and actions the most indelicate, obscene, and disgusting that, that, such that none but a corrupt and depraved heart could have contrived. These things are too outrageous to admit of belief. At that time that, that John Taylor wrote this tract, denying that the Mormons believed and practiced polygamy, he was the husband of ten wives, hmm. lying for the Lord. So much for honesty and openness and transparency for the Mormon polygamous leadership and for God's only true church. Notice the descriptive words that Taylor used when referring to polygamy. Yeah. He called it indelicate, obscene, disgusting, and outrageous. <laughs> whoa, whoa, they're speaking out of both sides of their I mouth know, here, aren't I they? Know. Mormon apostle and general authority Charles W. Penrose admitted that after Joseph Smith's death, some things about him were deleted from the church publications for prudential reasons, he said. So what information about Joseph Smith has been deleted from Mormon history? What did Joseph Smith say and do that needed to be deleted from the historical record? Current Mormons and Mormon polygamists deserve to know the whole truth about the founder of their religion. And why won't the mainline church release this information that has been deleted from history and been kept secret from faithful followers? 
You know, our eternity depends on what we do with God's truths now. People may live the good life now, but it's going to pass. And eternity is, will be waiting for every one of us. And that eternity is a long, long time. And ignorance is no excuse with God. He has made the truth available and he specs, expects each one of us to seek the truth and find it and live the truth. Many of the polygamy groups of today, by their actions, have effectively changed the ninth commandment from thou shalt not bear false witness to thou must bear false witness to protect the polygamy group. As I've mentioned many times before, from, from the cradle to the grave, we were taught how to lie to those who questioned us about polygamy. The practice of teaching children to lie and instilling fear of outsiders learning the truth began in the early days of Mormon polygamy. It didn't start with the Kingston group. It started way back then. On page 368 of Solemn Covenant, we, we want to quote, Children were instructed to deny knowledge of family relationships, of their parents' whereabouts, and even of their own last names. Some don't even know who their fathers are, right? Isn't that there? Uh, there were there. Um, isn't that? Not when they're young. I didn't know who my father was till I was ten. I was told a false story about who he was. We had a false name. That certainly sounds like lying. That, that <laughs> it is, definitely is lying. They they put the wrong name on birth certificates. They make up a name for the father and put it on the birth certificate. The woman takes and makes up a last name and then contrives a story about who her, her husband is so they can tell it to the children uh, when they're old enough to, to wonder about the whereabouts of a father that doesn't even exist because it's a, a, a fake name and a fake story about him. And you know, I've told this to people and LDS people that I've told this to, have, they actually gasp when they <laughs> hear that the polygamists will tell their children and lie to them this way, yet their own church and prophet is the source of this lying for the Lord. Polygamists teach that they must protect God's kingdom on earth. Yet what kind of a God needs the protection of humans? If he needs that kind of help, he truly is no God at all. The God of the Bible is almighty, which means he has all power, unshared power. He is our protector. We are not his protector. And Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world anyway. So there's no polygamy group and no church on this planet that is God's exclusive kingdom on earth. We have another quote for you. One <clears throat> church authority was so concerned about the pervasiveness of intentional falsehood that he feared for its effect on the moral fiber of Mormon society. <clears throat> in a letter to President John Taylor in 1887, Charles Penrose expressed concern that the endless subterfuges and prevarications which our present condition impose threaten to make our rising generation a race of deceivers. Wow. That's, That's an insightful words. quote, yes. isn't it? Yeah. His concerns were well-founded, and they were justified, and they came to pass. In fact, it was Joseph Smith who institutionalized the practice of lying for the Lord. Their lies were to ensure that Joseph Smith would be kept out of legal trouble by denying the practice of polygamy. It's the same thing that happened when I was growing up, that we had to protect the leader, we had to protect our fathers, we had to protect everybody who was a polygamist by lying about who we were and who our fathers were. And these lies were designated so that the leaders could deceive with a clear conscience. 
They believed that God permitted and encouraged lying in order to protect the doctrine and the practice of plural marriage. And they would use code words in their conversations and in their journals and in their answers to inquiries. Some of these code words were eternal marriage, the divine order of marriage, holy order of marriage, patriarchal marriage, priesthood, living up to your privileges, new and everlasting covenant, a different view of things, and celestial marriage. And every one of these code words was, was synonymous with polygamy. And if they didn't use those specific words, then they could answer with a clear conscience. Then they could answer with a clear conscience. No. Do you practice polygamy? No. If they had said, do you practice celestial marriage? They would still say no. Yeah, because there's <laughs> other words that they should have asked. There's other words they could use. And so they had a clear conscience with doing that as well. It was all a matter of semantics, yeah. you know, and, and it worked. But whether they used correct terms or not, the leaders would lie anyway. That was just part of what they did. Their view was that it was more important to live the higher law of plural marriage and most important to observe loyalty to the prophet. A prominent dogma of Mormonism is that loyalty is more important than honesty. Well, you now I was raised in polygamy where this was prevalent in our yeah, life. It, Did you notice that when you were in your Mormon environment? It really came more as I started learning the, the truth about Mormonism that there was a certain loyalty that would go over honesty because the, the Mormons or active Mormons uh, in mainstream church are are so attuned to anyone who says something outside the ordinary that they would their antennas go up when they hear that. But I think there is a loyalty to the, to the church and without seeking honesty, if you see what I mean, mm -hmm. without seeking the truth, they allow their loyalty to, to override any facts mm -hmm. or information that comes to their mind. Uh, and you know, praise God that there are people that are willing to listen and yeah. think about the truths and then hopefully that will make their loyalty the to the church in question, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but, our loyalty yeah. should be to the truth. Yeah, to not, the, not to the church. Not to a person, certainly yeah. not to a church. A yeah. church is not, <laughs> yeah, it's, a church is not the, the important thing here. Um, on page 208 of Solemn Covenant, Covenant, we discover that Mormon apostle Mariner W. Merrill, maybe many people may not recognize that name, but he took a plural wife in the Logan Temple in 1901 now this was several years after the manifesto of 1890, yet under oath, before the Senate committee's investigation of Reed Smoot, this man denied that he had entered into plural marriage after 1890. The committee had evidence that he was lying, but he continued to insist that he was telling the truth. He was lying for the Lord and for the church. Yeah. Mormonism's own history chronicles the fact that Joseph Smith lied over the pulpit, that he lied in private, he lied in the newspapers, he lied to his wife Emma, and he lied to church membership by saying that he did not participate in polygamy. Can you, you, we, us, can we imagine Jesus Christ behaving this way? No. Yet recorded Mormon history proves that for close to fifth years between 1890 and 1905 many other church leaders followed his example while pretending to obey the law Jesus said the root <laughs> produces the fruit 
In Nauvoo, a Mormon woman by the name of Vienna Jacques heard rumors about spiritual wifery, so she came to Emma and asked her to ask Joseph if the rumors were true. Well, they're asking the wrong person, obviously. <laughs> Emma asked him, and he yeah, said... He said to Emma, the whole idea was absolutely false, and the doctrine an evil and unlawful thing. That was Joseph's answer. Yeah. Joseph was secretly practicing plural marriage at the time, and he called plural marriage evil and unlawful. That comment in itself is his own self-condemnation. Yeah, amazing. It is amazing, <laughs> absolutely. Well, we're going to take our mid-show break right now and open up our telephones. We would love to hear from any of our viewers, polygamous viewers, uh, viewers from the LDS Church or other viewers who may have comments or questions. We'd like to hear from new viewers tonight. We also uh, will hear from, love to hear from people who would disagree with us as long as you allow a two-way uh, conversation. conversation on the telephone. So we're going to open up the phones 801-973-8820. Give us a call and we'll share our message with you now as we wait for the calls to come in. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our program, Polygamy, What Love Is This? Uh, again, we're thankful that you've joined us tonight, and um, our co-host Earl Erskine is Hi. here. I was born and raised in the Kingston Polygamy Group here in Utah. You were born and raised in... Uh, as a Mormon right here in Salt Lake. As a Mormon, and we're discussing the early Mormon practice of lying for the Lord, <laughs> and that's where our backgrounds converge, yeah. you know, because we it goes back to the same uh, general leadership when Mormonism first began. We do have our telephone lines open. Uh, if you want to call in and ask questions or make comments about our topic tonight, we would love to hear from you. Our topic is lying for the Lord. And the, some of the, the quotes that we have brought out are from Mormon documents. Yes. They're from Mormon's history. Yeah. 
that and we're not making this up and so if Mormonism is anti-Mormon you can call us that <laughs> name because that's all we're doing is using your own their own books and history to talk about what we talk about I think the the a difficult thing for me uh, in, in growing up uh, is when we were taught how to lie. We actually were sat down and and kibitzed on what, how to, what to say if this question was asked and what to say and how to lie. And my father's name, uh, we never did see him. We but if one of my teacher at school asked me about him and and all of this stuff, and it was really quite confusing. When every part of our the rest of our life, uh, we had to be truthful. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard to draw the line for a child. Those lines are bur blurred for a child where you, you're going to get beat up for telling a lie to your mother about something, and yet your mother's teaching you how to lie about something over here. And so it, it is very difficult for children. Was it a to, sense that you were protecting the group as from, the, from the law or from mm -hmm. uh, the... That, that, well, that's what it was, I guess, uh, mm -hmm, protecting yeah. the group. We, we were protecting, and there was a time when, there, when the, they went after the Kingston group, and um, they took him. There's a grand jury called, and they called in my dad to, to testify, and my mother, and some of the other polygamist wives, and they all lied on the stand. They all lied about it, or they took the the amendment that they didn't want to tell the truth because, or they fifth didn't want to answer uh, the Fifth Amendment. So. Uh, that and that so that was a big time when I was growing up and, wow. and I think that was in the 50s um, and that was scary because they were afraid that they were all going to get thrown in jail and for the, living polygamy, for living polygamy. Uh, but polygamy was against the law and and I still challenge every one of our viewers to find me in the Bible where God commanded polygamy and yet that's what they taught us that this was God's higher law but there's no place in the Bible where we can find that God actually uh, commanded yeah. polygamy, not to Abraham like they claim. Well, the clear conscience concept again, where they only married the first wife uh, civilly, mm -hmm. so and then the other wives was that done a spiritual That's marriages, spiritual private, private marriages, uh, marriages. So yes. they were able to. That was a clear conscience kind of a thing oh, yes. where they could say we're not we're not practicing polygamy. Right. She, just a. Right. It's only had what, one wife, and, one legal and wife. And to them, the only marriage that really counts is the spiritual marriage. It, even the first wife, um, they will marry legally so mm. that they'll have the marriage license. But then after the legal, they'll go and have the spiritual uh, ceremony with the first wife as really? well. The oh. same spiritual ceremony that he has with, the, with uh, his uh, other polygamous wives. Interesting. Because that's the ceremony they think that, that God really acknowledges. Uh, yeah. They don't think that he acknowledges the law <laughs> of the land. But that's not true because the Bible tells us we are to live and obey the laws of the land. land. Yeah. Okay, we have a call coming in. We have more call, uh, more lines open if you want to call in. Don't wait till five minutes before the show's over or you probably won't get in at all. So if you've got something you want to talk about, give us a call right now. And right now we have on line one, Dwayne from Bountiful. Hello, Dwayne. Dwayne. Yes? You're on the air. Do you have a question? Uh, yeah. Uh, are you aware of the fact in the writings of John D. Lee that uh, he was Joseph Smith's bodyguard, and he would go out with him at night when Joseph Smith was visiting all of his lady friends mm -hmm. and stand yeah. watch? And he says one of the ladies that he, uh, that Joseph Smith uh, uh, went to, 
was a lady that also entertained a, a number of steamboat captains. Oh, my. So, you know, you, <laughs> you ever hear about that in your Sunday no. school? Well, that you don't. You know, we no. ought to do a show on John D. Lee. That would be an interesting was show. Was that from the yeah. Confessions of John D. Lee book or his yeah. story somewhere? Uh, in, in his writings. Oh. Uh, so. And John D. Lee himself, I think, had 19 or 20 wives. Did he really? Yeah. So he took uh, yeah, he, he took was less a and He was involved with that Mount Metal Massacre. Uh -huh. He was the only one that was convicted and executed for right. it. Right. Right, and and uh, later the, the actually the Mormon Church has restored his membership back in good standing. John D. John Lee, D. Oh, mm -hmm. I yeah. didn't know that. Be, but, yeah, uh, they did that. Well, he was been on the ground floor of a lot of stuff that went on. Yeah, he was. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd mention that. And thank you. We appreciate the yeah, call. That's interesting very, very, information. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And yet he stayed. I guess believing Joseph was a prophet, he, despite all the, the, uh, the little uh, evening stuff going on. Uh, that's something. It, it's, I don't know. It's amazing. I, I don't understand how that can be a religion. I can understand it being a social organization or something like that, yeah. but not a religion with all of this stuff that's no. gone on in his past. We have an off-the-air question. Um, please address the practice of lying to fraudulently receive welfare. Uh, well, that that's huge today. Um, Arizona especially and Utah have high welfare costs because of polygamists and and they do go the women um, they, they they claim that they don't know who the father of their children are so they'll go and they'll get food stamps and, they and they'll get welfare and they qualify for it food stamp wick and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff yeah they do they they do on all these polygamous women so it does cost the taxpayers to uh, to when our our powers that be do not um, bring them to justice, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, the laws of the land are here for a purpose, and if they are not enforced, then why do they have them? Mm -hmm. And but, but even at that, the Constitution of the state of Utah says that polygamy will be prohibited forever. So why aren't our elected officials who raise their hand to support and 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 uh, honor the Constitution. Why don't they? I I don't get it. I don't understand why we as citizens aren't holding them accountable. Well, we have um, another quote that we would like to share. We think you'll find this interesting. Yeah. Fanny Stenhouse uh, was an author, an early Mormon woman, and an author. And she met and married a Mormon elder and missionary in England in the mid 1800s. And she later came to America with her husband. She would later write about the horrifying experiences of polygamous women that she had met uh, and lived around while she was here. From one of her books, we read about the deceit of the early Mormon leaders and missionaries in trying to keep their practice of polygamy silent and secret to potential and also to new converts. <laughs> and we quote from her book, Exposé of Polygamy in Utah. When polygamy was first taught in Europe and in the United States, great stress was laid upon the assertion that in no case would any man be allowed to take a second or third wife without the entire consent and approval of the first. This statement, though false and deceptive, naturally silenced the fears of many women who would otherwise have opposed the doctrine, for they were deceived into thinking that as their husbands could not take another wife without first consulting them and obtaining their permission to do so, it would always be in their power to refuse. I think my wife thought that too. <laughs> and thus they supposed that they would not themselves be practically affected by polygamy until their own faith prompted them to consent.
I need not say how greatly they were deceived. The elders have been often accused of deception in, the, in thus explaining away the doctrine to the women. And that is going on even today. In yeah. fact, a couple of weeks, a, a month ago on the show, we had a caller and she called in. Uh, she had just walked in the house and, and was watching the show. She'd never even heard of us before. And she just happened to be watching our show. And her daughter was being pursued by a young man from a polygamy group. Oh, and he told her this very same thing. I talked with her off the air. I went to visit her and we talked. And, and he said the same thing. It's up to the woman. She has the final say. Now, young men like this today who are out to get themselves a harem will tell their first victim, it's in your power to say, no, I don't get to live polygamy unless you say I can. That's a lie. And we read it from Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verse 65. This really should answer any question anybody has about this whole mess from the Doctrine and Covenants. Therefore it shall be lawful in me, if she receive not this law, that would be the wife, for him to receive all things whatsoever I, the Lord his God, will give unto him, because she did not believe and administer unto him according to my word, and she then becomes the transgressor. Yep. And he is exempt from the law of Sarah, who administered unto Abraham according to the law, when I commanded Abraham to take Hagar to wife. So much for the first wife having all the power. If she doesn't believe it, she's the transgressor. And if she says, no, you can't take another wife, she's the sinner. And she's he is sinner. exempt from the law of Sarah and can go take another wife. Yeah, that's right there in the Doctrine it, and Covenants. You can read that right one for there. yourself. That's right. You can read it for yourself. <laughs> that's verse 65. And notice at the, at the last sentence where it says, When I commanded Abraham to take Hagar to wife. Which never happened. Never happened. That's a lie. That's a lie right in the Doctrine and Covenants, right before your eyes. All you have to do is turn to the Bible and read in Genesis chapter 16, the whole story of how Abraham got Hagar as a wife. Find me, if you will, please email me, call in on the phone. Somehow let me know, send me a telegram where God commanded Abraham to take Hagar to wife. That was Sarah's idea, right? It was Sarah's idea, yeah. and it was against God's will, very clearly against His will. In well, fact, she didn't have trust in God in because God's He had promised her chi a child and mm -hmm. wasn't happening. So right. she she gave Hagar to Abraham. It wasn't God's idea? And it was a cultural thing in those days for a woman to have a child, a barren woman, to have a child through their maidservant. Mm. And it, it wasn't a religious thing at all. It was cultural. That doesn't make it a God thing at all, just because it was cultural either. It's not justifying it. But it's, it is saying that the whole idea that polygamy <coughs> and the blessings of Abraham are because of polygamy is all wrong. In fact, later, when Hagar's son grew up, he was at least 13 or 14 years old, God said, send Hagar and her son away. So if you want to do the works of Abraham, you will make, make provision for your plural wives and their children and send them away and have one wife because that's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. Okay, we have another. Uh, there's people on the line, but we're not getting any calls through, so we will continue on with another quote. I was hoping we'd get to this one. <laughs> <laughs> you were. Okay. Um, of course, these incidents uh, reveal that even though these things happened in early Mormon, the, in the truth about what Jesus taught about the bad root producing bad fruit is exactly true. 
Um, it's just different players today than it was in early Mormonism. But anyway, this next incident is interesting. A certain elder was sent to England to have charge of the British Conference of the Latter-day Saints there, and he left two wives back in Salt Lake City. Now, this was back in the 1800s. Before he left, he had obtained permission from Brigham Young to marry another wife while he was in England. But if he did take another wife, he was instructed to represent himself as being a single man so that he wouldn't risk being liable for bigamy under English law. Well, not long after he arrived in England, he found and married himself an English girl and informed his wives in Utah of this new marriage. He was very careful to conceal from this new wife the existence of his other two wives in Utah. After he'd been in England about two years, his first wife in Utah became ill, and it was recommended that she take an ocean voyage to aid in her healing. So she wrote to her husband asking for his permission to join him in Liverpool, where he was living at the time. Well, he gave her permission on one condition, <laughs> that when she arrived, she would introduce herself as his sister, not his wife. He knew that if his, if his English wife discovered the truth, she would hand him over to the law, and so the first wife agreed to pretend she was his sister. Well, to her grief, when she arrived in Liverpool, she found that her husband was so infatuated with his new wife that he hardly paid any attention to her at all. Mm. And all his acquaintance, including his English wife, were under the impression that she was a sickly sister from America. She soon regretted having come to England, but she couldn't go back to Utah. She had no money of her own to buy a ticket to go home, so she had to wait until her husband's mission was over, which wouldn't be for another two years. During those two years, he almost entirely ignored the existence of his first wife, his legal wife. He traveled all over Europe with his English bride and introduced her everywhere as his missus. The poor first wife remained in Liverpool totally dependent upon the charity of other Mormons for her support. When they got back home to Mormon, Utah, and the story was made known, one of her friends said to her, and we quote part of their conversation. From the women of Mormonism, You would not have found me enduring such treatment, remarked her friend. I would not have lived in poverty and seclusion and known that he was running around the country with her, squandering money on her, money that was squeezed out of the poor, deluded Mormons. I would soon have had him landed in Old Bailey, and that's an English prison. I was tempted more than once to take such a step, but was always restrained by the thought that my religion required me to sacrifice everything for its sake, even to life itself. There can be no denying the fact that polygamy is a dreadful ordeal and involves the most terrible sacrifices. Isn't that awful? It's so sad. Isn't that sad? <laughs> There's so many lives have been ruined because of this polygamy and yeah. the ugly things that come along with it. Yeah, it's just, uh, I had no idea with all this. I think we active, or active, I keep saying that, mainstream Mormons are just unaware of, of the real trials mm -hmm. and, and sacrifices that the polygamists, it's a whole other layer of, of um, loyalty to the, to the church or the organization. It's, it's, it certainly is, yeah. but, but the sad part is that they do this for the Lord. They yeah. claim they're doing it for the Lord, and, all and they're not. And by Joseph Smith. Right, and, 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 and covering up for the church, just like it says here. Yeah. The church, there's nowhere in the Bible where the church is our, is, is, is our authority. 
The church isn't our authority. Jesus is. Only Jesus. We only answer to Jesus, not the church. Okay, we've got a couple of calls coming in. We have on line three, Suzanne from Farmington. Hello, Suzanne. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, you're on the air. You're on the air, Suzanne. Oh, I'm, hello. Hi. Uh, Suzanne, you need to turn your television volume down. Yes, ma'am, it is. Okay, you can ask your um, question. So I was just wondering if the two of you would discuss um, the, the recent announcement that Cody and Mary Brown um, legally divorced in September and then his remarriage to his fourth wife, Robin, uh -huh. in December, mm -hmm. and what you all think that means both in a, a religious sense to the Brown family, why he would do, do that, why the family would choose to do that. Um, also, what that might mean for the family as far as people are speculating that the reason that sometimes polygamous families do this is for not for the legal restructuring, but because I think that's sort of a bogus term, but for financial gain and knowing that they are on a television show, what that would do to if they are still inclined with mm -hmm. their, okay. Okay. their church. Okay. And also just knowing that the family has had several bankruptcies already and state assistance, is this just furthering that? Okay, we've only got about a minute to answer you, so we'll we'll disconnect you and go ahead and answer quickly, okay? Thank you so much, George. Thank you, Suzanne. Okay, I don't know if our viewers have heard that uh, that the Cody Brown family on Sister Wives, the TLC Sister Wives, uh, he divorced Mary, his first wife, and remarried Robin in December of last year. Legally, Robin Legally, yeah. uh-huh. And uh, Robin has children that she brought into the, this polygamous marriage from another previous marriage. And uh, the, the thing is, there is a lot of speculation, why did they do this? We don't know because they haven't said. We can just speculate all day long and we'll never know until they come out and tell us exactly why. But I can say this much. They want ratings and sure. they can do what they need to do to get television ratings. Uh, sometimes it is financially better for a man to marry a woman who has more children than that they can carry on income tax records. And Mary, of course, did not have many children, and Robin has a few children. Okay. He can adopt those children, but he can't adopt them, however, unless the former husband gives the okay and signs off for that. So we don't know, and they haven't said why they have... Uh, decided to do this. So until they can really come out with an answer, we can just speculate, and speculation doesn't really get us anywhere. But that's a good question. A lot of people are curious, and so a lot of people is going to watch the show <laughs> yeah. to see if they can find out why this has happened. Okay, well, we want to thank you all for watching the show. We're going to be back next week with part two of this very important part of lying for the Lord of early Mormon history, polygamist history. So get your quotes together. <laughs>
and we'll bring some more to you next week. You know, as we do this show, we want you to know that we care so very much about our loved ones who remain deceived by the teachings of Joseph Smith, those who are deceived in believe, believing that lying for the Lord is okay, the end justifies the means, and that it's okay to teach little children to lie for the Lord. You know, God has provided only one way into his heaven, and it's not polygamy. The one way is Jesus Christ and his death for each of us on the cross. And if you don't want the cross, then you can't have Jesus. If you don't want the cross, you can't have forgiveness, and your sins will never be washed away. If you don't want the cross, you will die in your sins and will not go to heaven. We don't want a single person to end up in hell because we failed to warn you. And so we implore you to just check out what you believe. Are you believing in myths, unbelievable stories, or in the truth? And how do you know? Charles Spurgeon asked, what would you do if you saw a long line of blind men walking toward a cliff and one after the other stepping off and falling down to the jagged rocks below to their death? Wouldn't you warn them and cry out to them to stop and not follow their leader off that cliff? We refuse to remain passive or to worry about offending viewers by telling the truth. The way to heaven is not a church or polygamy or works or any kind of works, religious works. It is a way that has already been prepared and there is no other way available and it's not by polygamy. It's by grace through faith and it isn't faith in your church and it's not faith in your feelings or faith in polygamy or faith in Joseph Smith but by faith that Jesus Christ has already done everything for you and all you do is trust and rest in Him. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.